Welcome to the Orange Crest Community Church Podcast. Our hope is that this weekly podcast provides both encouragement and challenge as you move forward in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening. Good morning, everyone. My name is Daniel, and I have the privilege of speaking with you all this morning. Um, Our lead pastor, Josh, is taking a much-needed break, so um, I'll be filling in for him this week on a two-part series we'll be completing uh, on spiritual alignment. And so, uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning, and we ask that you, your Holy Spirit's presence, would be here today as we start a new year. God, we ask that um, you would really be honored and glorified um, by the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart. In our hearts, in Jesus' name, amen. Can you believe it's already 2019? I feel like 2018 was just starting and it's already gone by. So the holidays are over, the presents have been bought, and they've been given out, and gifts have been returned, and all that stuff is over. And so now we've, a lot of us are thinking about the next thing, which is, for a lot of us, it's New Year's resolutions. So I don't know about you, how many of you have made a New Year's resolution for this year? few people. All right. How many of you have already given up on that resolution that you started? Yeah, me too. I don't know about you, but one big reason why I set resolutions and goals in general is because I tend to equate progress or growth with with happiness, even if it's short-term happiness. So God actually made us to grow and to flourish. And when we get stuck, when we feel like we're not growing, making progress, it can be pretty frustrating. So I can be having a tough day and things can not be going super well, but if, if someone can point and say, hey, Daniel, you're making progress in this particular area, that can be really encouraging to me. You know, like, I may be failing here, but I'm, I'm at least getting somewhere over in this area. And so it can be really an encouragement. And so I know for a lot of us, one of the big New Year's resolutions is losing weight or dieting. Um, and so my goal every year is if I don't want to, if I'm not trying to lose weight, I'm at least trying not to gain 10 or 15 pounds over over the holiday season. And so I was trying to do that again this year, and I walked into my office at work, and I saw these delicious-looking Oreo truffles, peppermint Oreo truffles. I don't know if you tried them yet; they're pretty amazing. And I resisted it for the longest time, but then, you know, I just had to, I had to eat one, and then two, and then, you know, how it goes after that. But really, really good. And so making it through the holidays, trying not to put on that extra pound or two with all the hol- the Christmas parties and the, the cheesecake and the cookies and all of the stuff, you know, it can be, it can be really difficult. But if you, you know, after the holidays, you get on that scale, you're like, hey, you know, I didn't gain five, ten pounds. You know, that can, that can be a huge success. It makes it all worth it, you know, all that not giving in to the temptations. And so even when we're experiencing inconveniences and temptations and peer pressure and all kinds of roadblocks, I know if I can just make progress toward a goal, it, makes, it can make it all worth it, and it gives me encouragement. I don't know if you've ever felt this way before. Um, just making progress, it's something that's really important. So when I was in college, I took a road trip with some fam- family friends, and they had two young kids. And so I grew up in Texas, so we went from Texas to Colorado. And uh, the parents decided they were going to try a new parenting technique, which was just to let their two-year-old cry the entire 12-hour trip. So I don't know if you have kids, if you've experienced that before. I don't have kids yet, but, you know, like that was a new experience for me. But the only thing that got me through that trip was the thought, you know, five more hours, 
Four more hours. Three more hours. I'm making progress. We're going to get there eventually. So I don't know if last year, it's probably not like traveling on a, in a trip with a screaming baby, but there probably were days that felt like it. You're thinking, man, everything's just going wrong, and I just, I got to get through this day. And a few months ago, I had one of those days. It was it was just a rough day. I work in sales, and so a lot of my income comes from if I'm producing, if I'm selling. And so I went to one appointment, talking to the guy on the phone, and he said, you know, you got a great product. I'd, I'd love to buy it, but your prices are just a little bit too high. We're going to go with someone else. I'm like, oh. And I talked to the next person. They're like, yeah, I mean, everything's great. It's all great. We're going to make. We're going to decide after the year, the new year. Oh, come on. So it was just it was one thing after another, just really a discouraging kind of day. I go into my last appointment of the day, and I just vividly remember my hands on the steering wheel, thinking like, oh, this appointment better go well, or I'm just I'm going to explode. I'm going to get blood vessels are going to pop and my teeth are gritting. And and so I, I get into the office there and, and I, it taken me months to set up this appointment. I talked to one guy and he wasn't the decision maker and there was another person and back and forth and they were on vacation. And then finally I'm having this appointment set with the, the person that I think can actually buy the product. And so, so I, um, I've been waiting in line forever to have this conversation with this lady and I finally get up to speak to her and you know she she asked her if she'd taken a look at my proposal that I sent over to her and she said, No, I haven't I, I hadn't even thought about it yet. So I'm like, It's the end of the month, I'm trying to cut prices and at the lowest possible price that I can go and you know, throwing all this free stuff just to make this sale and she finally looks at the proposal and she's like, Really? Can you do better than this? I'm like, Ah, oh, come on. Um, she's like, why, why should I switch? Why should I make a change? I said, like, this is the, this is the best I can do. This is a really good deal. I'm saving you money from what you're currently paying, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, you know what? Nah, forget it. Just, just go away. And I was like, oh man, it was, it was just really cut me, cut me deeply. And so now normally I'm a pretty even keel person, like pretty steady. Don't get too rocked most of the time. This particular time in particular, this disappointment just really just frustrated me. And I got I got frustrated this lady and said, I'm giving you all this free stuff. I'm doing all this stuff for you. But you know what? Just whatever. Just And so I just kind of stormed off. And as soon as I said the word whatever, she just exploded on me. She's like, how dare you come into this office and treat me this way? It's so unprofessional. You know, and honestly, I was kind of shocked that she reacted this way. I mean, it was it's just not, not it wasn't as big of a deal as. I thought, um, but I didn't want to make it obscene, and so I did what any self-respecting salesperson does when he knows he's not going to get a sale. I just left, you know. I just got out of there. I'm like, I don't have to deal with this. So the reason I was telling you this story is because, you know, despite willpower and despite, you know, the good intentions and despite the fact that I wanted to be professional, something happened that caused me to just get upset at this at this lady and to react against my better judgment. And so the truth is, I'd already made a decision before I'd walked into that office. You know, what was going on inside my heart eventually was going to come out. It was just how many things were going to happen before before I, I reacted. So I don't know if you've ever done something like this. You tell yourself, you know what, I'm not going to react this time. I'm not going to react to this family member no matter what they do. And then you end up getting upset. So why is it so difficult for us to gain traction? Why is it so difficult for us to make progress? A lot of us spend time thinking about New Year's resolutions, and how we're going to lose weight or spend less money. But how many of us take the time to, or set a goal for 
how we can become a more patient person or a more forgiving person or generous person or self-controlled person. This morning I want to bring to us um, our focus to aligning our lives. And, and I'm confident as I've, I've been studying God's word. And if we can bring some alignment to some key areas of our life, it can help us gain a lot of traction in areas where we've been spinning our wheels. And so last week Bryce talked about removing thorns and setting ourselves up to, to make progress. So this week I want to shift from an agricultural metaphor to more of a mechanical one. So alignment, the first thing I think of when I hear the word alignment is car alignment, you know, trying to drive straight on the road, your steering wheel is straight, but you're veering off road, it could be an alignment problem. And I'm not a mechanic, I know we have some mechanics here that can give me a lot, a lot more thoughts on this, but if, you're, if your alignment is off, it can cause problems with your brakes, it can cause problems with your tires, all kinds of things can happen if your car is not lined up properly. But oftentimes we look at that, like I've had brakes that have worn really strangely, and I didn't realize that it had nothing to do with my brakes, it had nothing to do with my tires, it had to do with, with something else, it was my alignment. So oftentimes we only deal with the symptoms of our problems, and we don't really get to what's really going on. So at the heart of alignment is really changing our focus away from that which is superficial toward that which is substantial. But I'm afraid that for a lot of us in 2019, we're going to keep spinning our wheels. We're going to keep hitting the same things over and over again because we're focusing on the superficial instead of the substantial. And it could be, for example, worrying. Worrying and anxiety is something that a lot of us deal with. You know, there's something big potentially looming in the future. And, you know, I I get anxious about it. I write it down. I journal. I talk about it. I visit a psychologist you know, a counselor, you know, or whatever, I get through it, I push through it, and then I'm, whew, that's over. And then the next week, something else pops up, and it's the same thing over and over again. Or perhaps, you know, you're, you, you get into an argument with your spouse. You know, you disagreement, things begin to get heated, there's this big blow-up, and then, then eventually one of you comes back and apologizes, and there's hugging, there's tears, and then it all kind of gets resolved, and then a week later, the same exact thing happens again. And so it seems like there's a lot of pressure in our society to keep moving forward without taking the time to stop and to figure out what's really going on, what's driving a lot of this conflict, anxiety, things like that. And so the Bible has a lot to say about this and about getting to the root issue of what we're dealing with. And much of the biblical approach is often very counterintuitive to the normal way that we tend to operate, tend to think. So this morning I want us to take a brief look at the book of of Romans. Now, I don't know if you've read or studied the letter that Paul wrote to the Romans, but the Apostle Paul spends a great amount of time explaining in great detail the situation that mankind has found itself in. And basically, he says that we're incapable of gaining spiritual traction on our own. There's no possible hope for us to get back to God by some moral effort or things that we do to try to get back to God. And he just got, and Paul describes this depravity and brokenness and wickedness that society um, has. And so he tells us what the core problem is. And he says it's not an educational problem. It's not an equality problem. It's not even a moral problem. The problem is a heart problem. All of our problems derive from a heart issue. And the solution to this problem that mankind has found itself in is in the person of Jesus. 
So Paul goes on, to keep, he keeps describing in great detail all the things that God has done and shown his love for us. We were his enemies, and now we're his friends through, through Christ. And if we'll repent of our sins and turn to him, then we can really experience spiritual traction. And God can even use our failures and mistakes for his purposes when we make ourselves line, line up with him. Now, you'd think that if Paul was going to write a letter to talk about the Christian life, he would do what? He'd talk about, here are all the things you need to do, you need to start doing, and here are all the things you need to stop doing. But what's interesting is that Paul spends the first 11 chapters talking about this condition that we're in. He doesn't talk about application or things that we need to do. Um, Paul wants us to try to understand things from a different perspective. The normal pattern is we try to explain why or why something's happening and then giving the how. And so if we if we see as God sees, then we'll do as God says. So Paul is trying to explain to us the condition and the situation that we're in. And he turns the corner in the last couple chapters of this book. Uh, in the last 25% of this of this letter, he starts finally talking about all the all of the application steps that we can take, the behavior change that needs to go on. And so the key verses here in Romans 12 are kind of that transition from talking about more theology, talking about more of, of abstract things, talking about more the condition that we're in, and now he's going to start talking about behavior. So in Romans 12 he says, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Now, in these two verses, we, we see three components of spiritual alignment. So this morning, I'd, I'd like to make the argument that we gain traction by aligning our heart, our head, and our hands. You may have heard this particular paradigm before, our heart, our head, and our hands. If you, have a, you should have a listening guide that you can use to take notes if, if you'd like to. But we see that there is an emotional component here, which is our heart. We see that there's a mental component, which is our mind. And we see that there's an application component, which is illustrated symbolically through our hands. So let's start with the heart. Notice what Paul says here. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. In biblical times, a sacrifice was something a person willingly gave to God. A lot of times it was an animal that had no blemishes, imperfections. There was nothing wrong with it. And so a person would basically bring that animal to an altar and it would be killed, and that would be a substitute to pay the penalty for a person's sin or transgressions. And God really would only accept a perfect sacrifice. That was the only one that God would accept. And it was because he wanted people to offer their best. He wanted it to actually mean something, to bring something that was of high value and bring that before God. Because an animal that had no imperfections was pretty expensive. It was costly. And God was seeking people to bring their treasures, to bring something of substance and of value, their prized possessions, and give it to God. And essentially God was asking people to trust him. Now what Paul is saying here is, instead of all of us collecting our goats and our chickens and our cows and bringing them on Sunday morning and slaughtering them here, that would be a little messy. Um, instead of doing that, we bring our lives to God. We give up control of the things that we're hanging on to, and we hand them over to God. 
So what is the heart? The heart is the storehouse of our real treasures. The things that are really, really important to us. And so here's a picture of a treasure chest found by some pirates on a beach. And you see a lot of, you know, wonderfully expensive things in in that treasure box. And so the heart is really the storehouse, the place that we keep all the things that are of of supreme value to us. Now, you, you and I can feel the difference, right, between when someone is really putting their heart into something versus when they're kind of just going through the motions. So when my wife and I were uh, dating long distance, I was living up in the Northeast, and uh, she was living here. And I'll be honest, I spent a crazy amount of money on, on her to try to pursue her and to try to, to win her over. I invested, like, so much money. It was, it was ridiculous. <laughs> And I invested a lot of time, I invested a lot of energy coming up with creative ways to keep our relationship, you know, strong, being long distance, and lots of sleep was lost with the three-hour time difference. I was up till 2 a.m. a lot, talking to her on the phone, and, and I, I didn't really think twice about it. No one had to, like, tell me to do that. No one had to, like, force me to do that. It's because my heart was in it. So it didn't matter how much the cost or how much sleep I lost. I was willing to do it because it was worth it to me. The question is, is your heart really into God's word? Is it something that you're really willing to give your best to, to making Jesus your Lord? What would it take for you and I to make our lives a living sacrifice to God this year? Do you want to gain traction in 2019? Most people just start with their behavior. They say, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to be more self-disciplined this year. I'm going to work harder. I'm going to do everything that I can to change this particular thing that I want to grow in, to make progress. The problem is we always live consistent with where our heart is. And if our heart's not really in that thing, if our heart isn't really in to change, we're going to be right back where we started. When I was in college, one of the jobs that I had to to help pay for my schooling was I cleaned carpets. So I looked through all the pictures that I possibly could find, and this is the only one that I could find of me cleaning carpets. This is back in my curly hair days. But uh, I don't know if you can recognize who this guy is. Um, this is when I was in Dallas. Um, this guy was in a, a TV show called uh, uh, Prison Break. And so, anyways, he was moving back to L.A. They had finished filming, and I was cleaning his carpets. So I took a, a little selfie with him. Now, when I was cleaning carpets, one of the things that ha- kept happening is people would, would call me, and they would want me to come clean their carpets, and they'd always say the same thing. They'd say, there's this big stain in, on my carpet, and I clean it, you know, I clean the surface, and it's gone. It looks great. And about three days later, the stain comes back. I'm like, how do I get rid of this? I clean it, it comes back. And so I would tell them, like, the problem isn't with the surface. The problem is with what's going on beneath the surface. So I'd say a lot of times liquid falls, and it gets on the carpet. People walk on it, and it spreads out. And you can clean the surface, but the padding still has dirt in it. It still has liquid in it that's causing the stain. you got to pull up the carpet. you got to clean that padding and a clean that subflooring and then that stain should be gone and so if you want to gain traction in an area that keeps coming up you can keep attacking the surface you can keep just trying to change your behavior trying to just give it more self-discipline but your that problem is likely to keep coming back just like the stain on the carpet or you can do the hard work of pulling up the carpet and cleaning what's going on underneath and to get to the heart of what's going on to bring your treasures and place them at God's feet and to ask him to be that treasure instead. Jesus himself said, Even, uh, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 
Now, you might be asking yourself, so what if I know what the right, tre- what the right treasures are? But I'm still struggling to remember how to do this in a moment that's difficult. You know, to love my spouse when I'm upset or, you know, when the tension is really high, how do I, how do I choose to do this thing? How do I develop the ability to stop in the moment and ask God for help? So the second component that I want to look at this morning is to gain spiritual alignment, we've got to do something with our, with our mindset. You know, it's easy for us to come and worship God on Sunday morning and really give a heart into it, and then on the drive home get in a fight with a family member. At least for me, that's pretty easy to do. And so there's got to be some way to connect our heart with our behavior. And one of the key ways that we can do that is by focusing on our thought life. And so the point number two is that the key to genuine habit change is thought change. It's not a coincidence that Paul uses this, talks about this in this verse. He says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of the mind. Now, in one sense, God is, is working. If you're a Christian, God is working to help you to grow and to, to put things that are important uh, to him, to get truth into your mind. But it's also an active process that you and I are having to choose to do ourselves. And the reason why we often don't make progress in our spiritual lives is because maybe our heart is really engaged, but our mind is still thinking in the same way that the world thinks. So some examples of this include, what's the easiest path to get what I want? How can I get away with the minimum effort for the maximum return? If someone offends me, isn't it my right to offend them back? I'm good. Why do I need anyone else? And lastly, I'll literally die if I don't have this desire fulfilled. These are all predictable patterns that the world uses. I don't know if you've ever thought any of these things. I I think them all the time. But if we think that the way the world thinks, we're going to get the same results that the world gets. And we're not going to gain the traction that God wants us to make in growing this year in 2019. Now, our life is like a car, in a sense. And if that's true, then our heart is kind of like the engine. You're not going to make a ton of progress if you don't have an engine in your car. And that's going to be the driving force that gets the car moving. But the thing that connects, and the mechanic will go into more detail. This is a very basic example. The thing that connects the transmission and the engine to the wheels and the tires that will actually get things rolling is the drive shaft. So if you don't have a drive shaft, you're not going to make a lot of progress, no matter how great your tires are or how great your engine is. So in some ways, our minds are kind of like that drive shaft. If we don't train our minds to think and focus on God's truth, we're not going to make it very far. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is 2 Corinthians 10.5, and it says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought, and we make it obedient to Christ. I really like the imagery of this verse, and when I think about it, I think of the game Whack-A-Mole. If you ever played Whack-A-Mole before, these little moles pop up, and you take a mallet, try to smack them down to get points. And so I think about that. A negative thought comes up in our mind. Maybe one of those examples that I mentioned earlier, or maybe, you know, there's a driver in front of me that's going slow, or, you know, my spouse didn't do something, and I feel like I've got the right to get upset about it. And every time one of those thoughts creeps in, I've got to have some way to beat that thought down, to demolish that thought, and to replace that with God's truth. And if I do that, If I have a particular verse in Scripture that I can use and I can think about to replace that negative thought that I have, over and over again I can develop spiritual maturity. Now, spiritual maturity is recognizing, you know what? I've been here before. 
This exact same situation has happened before. Getting in a fight with my spouse or, you know, a particular thing that causes anxiety at work. I've been here before, you know, and now I got at least something that I can do to replace that thought, to replace that, that negative impulse with God's truth. And as we do that, we can really begin to change our thinking and our habits. So once we've lined up where our true treasure is, where our heart is, and we've aligned our thinking with God's way of thinking, now we have to choose to act. And as we act, we can see that God is at work in our lives. So that's my final point, is that clarity in life is refined by obedience. Life can get more clear. The real hard issues that are going on are not always easy to see. But the more we obey God and the more we do what God asks us to do, the more clear that those things can be in our lives. It says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. The word testing here really means to prove real through action, through experimentation, through actually getting out there and doing something. We discover God's plan for our lives as we act. We can, we can sing and pray, praise God all we want. We can have our heart really devoted to God. We can think about God's word. But until we actually take action to do what God asks us to do, we're not really going to discover what God's plan for us this year in 2019. James 1.22 says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after going away, immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do it, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. It is clear that James says anyone that looks at their own face in a mirror and then they forget about it, that's pretty foolish. But someone that hears God's word, reads God's word, and chooses not to change or to make any action steps in the right direction is also foolish. Now, there are many ways we can see spiritual alignment in action. And for me, probably what summarizes this best is, is in one word, and that's conviction. Now, I'm not talking about being convicted of a crime or feeling guilty about something. Real conviction is when you're walking around, you know, minding your own business, and all of a sudden you realize, you know what, I told a lie today to my spouse or to someone else, and I have to make it right. I'm not going to be able to sleep at night with this thing hanging over my head. I don't know if you've had that experience before. I did that one not too long ago. I told a guy that, um, I told him a story about a trip that I had been on, and he asked, oh, did you go visit this one place? And I was like, oh, yeah, totally. I totally saw that. And then I realized later that, yeah, that was a lie. So I had to call him back and say, you know what, I lied to you, and there's nothing more humbling than, than having to do that. But I was so convicted, I knew that I'd lied to the guy, and I knew I had to make it right. And so conviction is when you cannot live with yourself until you do what's right. You cannot live with yourself until you do what's right. You bury it, and it keeps coming back up. You try to just push it off to the side, but it keeps coming back. You're like, I have to do something to make this right. So going back to my sales story, as I drove away from this customer's office, I was pretty justified in my attitude towards, towards this lady. And, but as, as I was driving along, I realized, you know what? I could have handled the situation better. It just kept gnawing at me for the next 15 minutes. And I was wrestling through it like, ah, what should I do? Should I humble myself and go back or just pretend like it didn't happen? So eventually I realized, how can I call myself a Christian and a group leader here at OCC if 
when I'm not working, I'm, or when I'm working, I'm treating this lady in an unprofessional way. So I went to Starbucks, and I bought her a gift card and a little note. And so I went and brought it back. She was busy with another customer, and so I handed it to her coworker, and I just said, you know, give this to this lady. I want to apologize for not treating her right. And then I just left. And I wish I could tell you that she gave me the sale, and it was this great thing, but that hasn't happened as of yet. And so, but the reason I tell you the story is not, is, is because I knew what I had to do, and it was really difficult to do that, but I knew that's what God was asking me to do. And it was humbling. Now, there are two final aspects of spiritual alignment that I want to mention to help us get unstuck here in 2019. The first is we have to realize that um, failure is going to be part of the process. We're going to make mistakes. Paul tells us that we are to be living sacrifices, and a living sacrifice is one thing that you don't just put on the altar and it just stays there. It tries to crawl off, and we do that too. At least I do. I commit to God, and then I'm like, ah, but I don't know, and then I wrestle with it. It's a daily choice. It's a moment-by-moment choice. And so I wish that I could say that I'm perfect at this, but I'm not. But the truth is that some of our greatest moments of spiritual growth can happen through failure, can happen through mistakes. And when we, but when we fail to think that, or when we fail to grow, we will, if we think that growth means the absence of failure. If we try to live perfectly and never try to make a mistake, we're probably not going to grow a whole lot. But the way that we can make spiritual progress is if we align our heart, our head, and our hands when we mess up. And say, you know what, God, I made a mistake today. I didn't offer my body as a living sacrifice. Please forgive me. And ask him to help you to do it better the next time. And the other way that we can make progress is by realizing that growth is, a, is something that happens communally. And that can bring us accountability. Paul doesn't give us this charge to one single person. He gives it to that entire church in Romans. He gives it to multiple people. We tend to think about this as an individual command. I'm going to be a living sacrifice. But it says, you all, you brothers, you brothers and sisters, you are to live your lives as living sacrifices. And it's meant to be collectively. So for me, I realized that the final straw that got me to turn the car around and go back and apologize to this lady was realizing you know what, if I really believe all this stuff that I talk about at church and in life group, then I need to practice it here and now in this situation at work. I don't want to let God down. I don't want to let my church down. And what ultimately convicted me was God used me to turn around and make me do the right thing because I knew that I was his ambassador. You know, I was, I was representing Christ to this lady. So how about you? Is there an area of your life that you are feeling convicted of during this season? Is there maybe some bitterness in your heart about somebody or something? Is there a secret sin that's caused you to maybe not gain traction in an area of your life in 2018 that maybe you could begin to change this year? Don't you think it's time to stop focusing on your behavior only and really do the hard work of getting to what is really driving that behavior? I said a lot of things this morning, and if you only hear one thing, hear this. Take the time to really discover what is the real heart issue that's keeping you from making progress this year, 2019. Maybe you've already got a grasp on that. Maybe you're more of a reflective type person, and you already know exactly what it is, and you're making progress. Maybe you can help someone else. But if not, here are some next steps to consider. Number one is... Consider surrendering one area completely over to God this week. Ideally, you could do it for the entire year, but maybe start with a week. How can I surrender one area completely to God this week? 
Number two is establish one spiritual goal you will set for yourself in 2019. And lastly, develop a plan to take your thoughts captive for Christ in 2019. Now, I've given you on your listening guide seven reflection questions that you might consider. If you'll take ten minutes for uh, every day this week and answer one of these questions, I think it could really help you to get at the heart of maybe some things that are keeping you from gaining traction this year. It might be that, um, it, you know, describe your relationship with God in 2018 in, one, in three words. It could be that, where do you sense the strongest resistance to taking your next step with God last year? Number four is, is there a particular heart struggle that you can identify that is keeping you from making progress with God? And then lastly, number six, what is one thing you want to say about your spiritual life at the end of 2019 that you cannot currently say? So I consider that you um, just consider maybe answering these questions. They might really be able to be a help to you. Let's pray. Father, we praise you and we thank you for your word. We thank you, God, that even though we make a lot of mistakes and fail at times, God, you're faithful to us, that you are with us. And when we've committed our hearts to you and our life to you, you will never leave us or forsake us. And we do praise you for that. And we ask you, Lord, to reveal to us an area in our lives where we have been resistant at handing over to you. We pray, Lord, that this would be a year of breakthrough for each of us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray you've been encouraged by the message and equipped to move forward in obedience to God's word. Join us again next week for another Orange Crest Community Church podcast.